news for you. And so, <laughs> and so um, yeah, so to start with the gospel, I want to start with who is God and who, who's humanity in relation to God. So God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all loving. He's just. He's faithful. He's all of these things. And he is triune in nature as the Bible reveals. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Meaning he's capable to love because he's in relationship even just among himself. And so this God, the Bible says, created all of the heavens and the earth. He created the universe. He did all of these things. But out of all of his creation, his most treasured possession was humanity. And it was humanity because we were made in his image. So we were made with his likeness. We were made with his like moral capacity, emotions, ability to love, ability to think, ability to you know do all of these things. And from everything that he made, he called everything that he made good. And so in this place where there's no issues with the world we had to worry about, there's no issues with our bodies, he made it good, he made it perfect. And, but because he loved us so much, he wanted us to, get, to have the choice to actually choose him. So at the time, you've probably heard about Adam and Eve, and you've heard, you know, they were created, they were in the Garden of Eden, and they spent time with God, they were in relationship or fellowship with God. And, you know, it was beautiful. They had that direct contact, nothing hindering them. But God gave them a choice to obey his words, his good, perfect, holy, set apart, all of those things, his word. Or he gave them one thing that they could not actually partake in. And it was, you know, some of you have probably heard the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so from there, you know, he gave them this so that they could be able to choose him or to choose, um, you know, to choose their own path or to choose, you know, their own way. And so he told them that if you actually eat of this thing that I'm telling you not to eat, you will surely die. And so what happens? You know, we hear, you know, the serpent, you heard the story, comes and deceives Eve and Adam and they both eat from the tree and the serpent is revealed as actually the devil. Um, you hear this and then what happens is they don't just die. They don't just fall out and die. But what happens is death enters into their bodies, one, so they start the process of dying. Two, they're eternally dead because the Bible says eternal life is to know God and they had to be separate from God mm. because of their sin. God is so holy. He's so good. He's so perfect. It's literally, he, he is light. In him, there's no darkness. Darkness can't dwell with him. So he literally can't be just and dwell among sin. And so not only did all that death happen, but that happened to the created world too. So the earth suffers from the uh, effects of humanity's sin. Um, so basically everything gets messed up because we chose, you know, or ancestors chose to go their own way, to not follow God, to, you know, just distrust God. And so we see for generations after, we didn't get more sympathetic in our own strength and start to turn back to God, but we constantly went deeper into sin. We kept doing things that broke God's heart, that got in the way of God's love, whether it's, you know, killing, whether it's lying, whether it's, you know, breaking people's hearts. It could be any of those things. But God, in his rich mercy, had set aside from the begin, but from before we were even created, before we had the capacity to make a decision, he had set aside redemption for us. He set aside something that can reconcile us. 
because our purpose is to love God and to be loved by God. And so he set a path forward before we could even make that choice that we could be redeemed, that we could actually be restored in our relationship with him. And so humanity, while we didn't know about this answer, but we knew something was coming, he, um, or humanity, we tried to, you know, atone for our sins or to make up for our sins that we did by sacrificing animals or, you know, you hear people in different faiths do good works and you want your good works to outweigh, you know, your bad works and things like that. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not one single person who's lived, including Adam on, has been righteous. So what does a just God do who has to handle sin but a God who's merciful and loving and wants to be restored to the sinful people. Well, while, while we were sinners, while we were still hating God, God, because he found no one worthy, no one qualified, he came down in the flesh. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, born of a virgin, the only one qualified to live a sinless life because he was fully God but also could identify with the sins of humanity, those who were born under Adam, because he was still born of a woman. And so he lives this sinless life. He comes to the earth, this perfect holy God who's done no wrong. He's only brought blessings and goodness. He comes with the intention to die in our place. So all those good works that we try to do, all those sacrifices that you hear about Israel making and different cultures making day after day and all the blood that was shed to try to atone for sins so that we wouldn't have to do that anymore, that there would be one sacrifice that would count for all, for all sins before, during the time, and then even into our time. And so Jesus, God in the flesh, came. He died on the cross. He was put there by our sins. He was put there by sinful people. He was innocent, but he was put on that cross. And from that place, he declares on the cross that it is finished. On that cross, he took on the just wrath um, for our sin that we deserved. So like God said, when they ate from the tree, he said, if you eat from the tree, you'll surely die. And so one of those things that was included in the process of death was that there would be eternal separation from God because that's, just think about how holy, or like, think about how much you esteem, like maybe a baby, for instance, and how innocent and like pure, you know, they seem to be, and how much punishment you would righteously want put on anybody who harmed that baby, who sinned against that baby, who did something, you know, crazy against that baby. God is so much holier, so much more innocent, so much more pure, and our sin against him is so much more greater and it's deserving of that eternal punishment, separation from God of hell. But God in his mercy wants relationship with us regardless of our sin. But a payment had to be made and that payment was made through Jesus's death on the cross. And so when he dies on the cross, because there was no sin counted against him, because he was fully God and fully man, and he dies on that cross, death and sin have no power over him. So after three days buried, he's raised from the dead because literally death is only for those who are in sin. Death, the, the, the wages of, of sin or being death, that's only for those who sin, who, who aren't fully God, who aren't fully men. So his death 
literally he couldn't stay dead because the grave had no hold over him. So when he died, he took the keys of death. The power of darkness and sin was broken off of anyone who would put faith in this message, in this name of Jesus. And so once, when he, once he raises from the dead and he reveals himself to people, he doesn't just, you know, declare that now that their forgiveness of sins is here, you know, he does. But he gives an even better promise, and he promises that not only do we now know God in heaven as our Father, not only did we have God in the flesh who dwelt among us, but we have the promise that God will actually live inside of us through the Holy Spirit. That if we believe in this message, if we put faith in Jesus, is death and resurrection, and believe in it by faith, the free gift of eternal life, which is that restoration to God, which is dwelling with him in heaven, will be ours. We will have the guarantee that we are his, that we are sons and daughters, that we've been adopted. We'll be made into a new creation. We'll have new desires. We'll start to see the effects of sin that have been in our life reversed to some measure, not in fullness, but where we don't have joy, where we don't have peace, that can come. Where we don't have reconciliation with God, that is present. And we have access to him at any time. And then lastly, what we have is the promise when Jesus was here, he promised that he was coming a second time. Thank you, Jesus. And he's coming a second time. And this time, not just as savior, not just as redeemer, but he's coming as a just judge. He's going to counteract all the wrong we see in the world, the environment, people who are murdering, all these issues that we see in the world that are just wrong, that break our hearts that make us yearn for something greater, that make us sometimes curse God. He promises that he's coming to redeem everything that our sin cursed mm -hmm. on this earth. And so we have a promise that our Jesus. bodies will be glorified, the earth will be glorified. It won't, heaven isn't even just our end, yes, but it's Lord. the unification of heaven and earth. It's the unification of things that were, um, you know, that brought death now being made alive and they won't have any effects of death anymore because he'll come as judge. And so that is 10 minutes of the gospel.